Amber, what are you drinking today? Um, because my vodka is frozen, I am just drinking Kisamwat. Oh, I don't even know what to say about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The vodka's frozen. There's nothing I can do about it. And I don't have ice cubes to make a drink with warm vodka. So, well, drinking there we go. <laughs> what are you drinking today, Amanda? I am drinking a vodka cranberry today. Always keeping it simple. Yeah, just plain vodka too, not even flavored. Isn't that called something? Isn't a vodka cranberry called something? I don't I'm sure it has a name. I, I think it has a, a vodka name. cranberry. I don't know. Welcome anyway, to welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We found that being a service member was a lot easier than being a veteran, and being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Stephen McAllister. He served in the United States Navy from 1999 to 2009 as a corpsman. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? We're wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm How wonderful. are you, Amanda? I'm good. I'm good. Good. What are you drinking today? I have some Bud Light Orange. Oh, is, is that it good? good? Yes, it is extremely good. I was uh, not impressed with Bud Light Lime, so. It, it, it's, it's a lot better than the Bud Light Lime. I will say that. I do yeah, like the Bud Light Seltzers. The Seltzers are good. I haven't yep. had the Bud Light Seltzers. Loves the Seltzers, so they're always around. And what are you drinking, Amanda? Vodka Cranberry. In my Good Times Are Made With Good Friends cup. That's a big cup. Mm-hmm. It's metal, too, so I can't break it. <laughs> Steven, where are you from, and can you tell us how your story started? I am from a small town in South Carolina called Florence. For a lot of people that don't know where that is, that is mm-hmm. where I-95 and I-20 meet. It's where I-20 actually starts on the East Coast. Oh, okay. The money will bring you to Texas. It will bring you to Texas. Yes, I actually have family in San Antonio, Dallas. Oh, Dallas! Uh, yeah. Abilene. So oh, my dad, my dad, my dad is from Texas. He was born and raised in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Neat. You have a little Texas in your heart. Yeah, well, that's also where I went to school. I went to the University of Texas. Oh, okay. Did you go to the one in San Antonio or did you go to the one in Austin? I went to Austin. Oh, okay. That's the OG uh, school. Well, I got my start in, I graduated high school in 98 and immediately went to the University of Texas to play baseball. And my during my freshman year in at the University of Texas, I dislocated my shoulder. And with Austin being a party school, I knew that I wasn't going to concentrate on my academics. And so I dropped out of college and joined the Navy. I've been in the medical field since I was 16 years old. I worked rescue squad and fire department and everything like that. So I scored high enough on my ASVAB to be nuclear power, advanced electronics. And when I told the recruiter that I wanted to be a hospital corpsman, that I want to be medical, he laughed at me. Well, I proceeded to tell him, well, that's what I want to do. If you don't want me, I'll go somewhere else. So and he, away. <laughs> he, 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 he let me sign the papers. I signed the papers in June of 99. 
And in November of 99, I was in Chicago for boot camp. Cheers to going to boot camp in uh, November because, well, I yes. went in December, but it was close. In the wintertime in Chicago. Cheers to that. Yes. yes. And you, it was the you worst. You wouldn't know, Amanda. I went in the it, summer. It was the worst winter that sh- Chicago had in a while. So it was. My boot camp was pretty mild. Mine was extremely mild winter in Chicago in 2000. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> four. She said four. Uh, <laughs> I was there, did the boot camp, and then I did core school there in Great Lakes. Which I, I think their boot camp is in Chicago. I didn't know that core school was in, up there. I know welding is up there too. There's a couple that you stay up there. Yeah, core school at that time, core school was up there. Now, core school is in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Yeah, they combined all branches of all branches medical into one, oh, and keep everybody there. And stuck them in. That's okay. well. I graduated. I graduated core school in two thousand, and I actually my first duty station was Red Rover. I was the person that gave you shots and drew your blood. At the there's the possibility you've seen my ass. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe. if you went in in 2004, no, because I was not there. Okay, one. I no. Oh, sweet. Uh, because August of I was there from I would say June of 2000 to the end of July, and then I reported to Camp Geiger in North Carolina for field medical service school. And then I finished that in August, in the later part of August, and got stationed with 2nd Marine Division, 3rd Battalion, 6 Marines. And what year was this? That was in 2000. Okay. We were getting ready to, we did all the qualifications and everything like that to go into a routine Mediterranean float. I was part of 3rd Battalion, 6 Marines, Lima Company. We were a boat company. We were we were basically on little Kodiaks. We were stay we we were on the USS Shreveport. That was our our home ship. So we did all of our qualifications. We got special operations qualified and everything like that. And we came home on pre-deployment leave in August thirty first. Was our first day of pre-deployment leave. My last day of pre-deployment leave was September 11th, 2001. I will remember that day Mm -hmm. until the day I die. I was in my room packing my sea bags to go home, to go back to the barracks and get ready. We had like a two week before we were going to ship out. And my dad comes down the hallway and says, you might want to come see this. As I walk into the living room where the TV is, that's when the second plane hit. When my dad put me on the bus to go back up to Camp Lejeune, that was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry yeah, because he knew exactly where I was going. It's a hard moment right there. We went over there. We went straight because y'all being Navy, y'all know that you have to do gator squares. You can't do a straight line or that's a declaration of war. We did gator squares all the way to Rota, Spain. Then we resupplied in Rota and we went straight from Rota to off the coast of Pakistan. And from there, we went into Kandahar International Airport there in Afghanistan. We were there for 
that was, we got there just about Christmas and we were there until April on land, no showers, no anything. So you were there right when everything popped off. We were, okay. We were technically the first boots on the ground at Kandahar International Airport. I was still Wow. Now you make me feel old. Oh, no. She makes me feel old every day. (laughs) I'm always the baby, though. So I remember everything that happened in Afghanistan. That's the first time I ever got in a firefight, anything like that. We would call home. We would have our chances to call home. And my parents would ask me, what do you want in your care package? And I would tell one of the things I tell them everything that we want. And the last thing that I would tell them and my dad to this day laughs his butt off because I tell him, he goes, what do you need? I said, tampons. Yeah. And he's like, why do you need tampons? I said, well, what are tampons used for to soak up blood? Mm-hmm. We put it into the bullet holes and he goes, Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I, witnessed my first it wasn't my first trauma because of working being in the medical field as long as I have since I was 16 I witnessed one of my best friends get shot and that was hard to work on him so worked on him got him situated got him flown back to Germany and then turns out two weeks later he's tapping me on my helmet saying hey what's up doc so that, that, that was, that was real good. We actually went, we were told we were going on a nine hour mission into the, into the mountains of, uh, of Afghanistan. And it turned out to be nine days. So we packed up enough supplies for nine hours. So we found a goat. We named the goat. We milked the goat for milk. What did you name the goat? It was Fred. Fred. Cheers to Fred the goat. I have to lighten it up just a little bit for just a moment. (laughs) To Fred. Cheers to Uh, Fred. We have chickens and goats on our podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. Find out what comes up next. (laughs) But we used used Fred for whatever we needed. If we needed milk, milk. There was a couple of times that a couple of the guys would get cold. And they snuggled with Fred. And come about the eighth day, we finally got a radio signal to where we could radio for pickup. And we radioed for pickup and they said, hey, we'll be there in 13 hours. We're like, okay, we'll hold position. So we held our position and six hours before we were picked up, (coughs) Fred made the ultimate sacrifice and became goat chops was he good? i've never eat goat really yes it, 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 it i hate to say it but it tastes like chicken yeah it's not bad it's not bad at all my child had- loves curried goat oh uh, well and then we got back and Poor fred. <laughs> we're yeah fred fred was a good fred was a good goat he was good he he, he did his purpose uh I mean, at least they know what happened to him and they weren't hunting dingoes yeah. We get back to Kandahar International Airport and to speed up the story, 
we are getting ready to get relieved by the 101st Airborne out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And let me tell you, I will pick on the Army until the day I die because of what they did. We get into a firefight because they see the C-5s landing. We get into a firefight and I am in a fighting hole and I look over at my staff sergeant and he's got lasers on his back. Yes, the 101st Airborne locked and loaded with empty magazines. They literally locked and loaded with empty magazines. They had no rounds. Wow. There is actually the army. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a a meme that go that is that went around at that particular time that the the whole Mastercard commercial thing where such and such $15 and everything like that and then such and such is priceless. There's 101st Airborne patch $15. Airborne <laughs> training $20,000. Army hiding behind steel bunkers while the Marines defend Kandahar International Airport priceless. Price. <laughs> and, they have, and they had two Army Airborne literally hiding behind a bunker. Oh my gosh. Um, Bless their well, heart, that, the Army. <laughs> yeah, that was my first deployment to Afghanistan. My second deployment to Afghanistan was to Kabul to the actual American embassy, and we just guarded the embassy. There, it wasn't no hip hop, any combat or anything like that. We just, it was embassy duty, it was cake duty, basically. Get back. And then I get pulled to H&S Company, to headquarters and support. And this is 2004. That's the year I graduated. <laughs> We're getting close to Amber being an adult. <laughs> We're getting close to Amber being in the military. <laughs> uh, in 2004, I made my first deployment to Iraq. And I was with with third battalion six marines still and i was in the tsunami triangle i was in fallujah we were on a routine patrol into uh the industrial part of fallujah and my convoy was attacked i watched the first home the humvee in front of us flip over the top of us i watched the back humvee completely explode and as we exited our home V to set up a perimeter, our home V exploded and I took shrapnel into my knee. And of course, adrenaline's pumping. So I have no idea that I have any leg injury. I'm too worried about my Marines and getting them taken care of. So I'm bouncing around, taking care of them. And finally, another corpsman comes up to me and goes, with my last name being McAllister, everybody called me Mac, if they were Navy. And he goes, Mac, uh, you need to get checked out. I said, why? I said, I'm fine. He goes, look down at your left leg. I look down at my left leg, and my desert camis are now, from the knee all the way to the boot, completely saturated in blood. I get medevac to Germany. Be, and I'm told, you can't go back. And I'm like, no, my unit is there. I have to go back. Well, you're taking a chance of really messing up your knee. And I said, well, that's a chance I got to take. My, my guys are there. And I go back to Iraq for the second 
for the second time. And this is about seven months later. My guys are still there. We get ambushed again. This time we're on foot. We get ambushed again. I'm taking care of a Marine that got shot. My best friend that I grew up with, he joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Navy at the same time. We got stationed together. He always had my back. He had my back that day. And uh, he took a sniper round in the neck, protecting me. To this day, September 27th of two, uh, September 27th, 2004, that day will live with me forever. Because that is when he made his ultimate sacrifice. And I get to meet him in Valhalla when, when the time comes. I, what was I, his name? His name? Was Kelly Neesmith. Cheers to Kelly. Cheers to Kelly. uh, I go to his house, his mom's house, every year on the anniversary of it. And I tell her that it should be me. It should have been me. And she, the first time I told her, uh, I should have learned. Because she's a, a a very big black lady. <laughs> and, I already uh, know where this is going. <laughs> I was basically beaten to a pulp because she said, "No, he did what he was meant to do. He w- he was put on this earth. God put him on this earth to protect you, and he did his job." But I still say it every time because that is part of my survivor's guilt. I should not, I should not be here talking to you. I have been blown up. I have been shot at. And in civilian life, I have actually been in a wreck where the firefighters, the paramedics, and the police officers all come to my, came to my truck with a body bag because they did not think that I should, I should be alive. Your work's not done yet. No, and that's what a lot of people have told me. And then, like I sent y'all the video where I had my five seconds. I will remember that till I die. I literally was ready to end everything in in June of 07. I was on my bathroom floor with a bottle with a gallon of whiskey. And a and a 12, 12 gauge shotgun. The twelve gauge shotgun was already cocked, and somebody kept putting in my head, "You need to pick up the phone and you need to call Chadburn." I picked up the phone, I called Chadburn, and his exact words to me was, "Hold on." He goes, "Hold on, I'm on my way." Within, he lived probably. 25 minutes away from me at the time I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, and he lived about 25 minutes away from me. He was in my bathroom grabbing the shotgun in the bottle within 15 minutes. My wife at the time, my ex-wife now, she had the door open because she heard me talk to him on the phone and she had the door open and he came straight in. He broke the bathroom door because I had the bathroom door locked and he broke it down and he took the gun, uncocked it, handed it to my ex-wife and said, you need to get this as far as way as you can. He said, and she goes, well, what about the bottle of whiskey? He goes, no, 
we're going to need this bottle of whiskey because we're going to call. Come to find out, Chad Byrne was an ambassador for Mission 22. So I owe my life to Mission 22 and Chad Byrne. So I know y'all asked me about my charities. One of my biggest charities I do every year. What's big here in South Carolina is softball. Softball is huge. And I do an adult softball slow pitch tournament every year to raise money for Mission 22. This year in June, I raised $4,500 for Mission 22. That's awesome. We'll be sure to add Mission 22 into the show notes. So that way anyone that wants to learn more about them or donate to their cause, they'll be able to get to them through our, our show notes. And I don't know if y'all know, but they came out with a new new statistic for veteran suicide. We are no longer 22 veterans a day. We have gone down to 20. I think. So, so 720 veterans a year don't commit suicide. Which is super important. And I it's think a- the more awareness and stuff and the whole, I've actually read about 22 a day and that number has changed. The number changes every year. It's been as low as 13 a day. I think that the most familiar that that people are with, whether they're veterans or civilians, is the 22 a day and why we're pushing the 22 a day. And if that number, if we're still pushing 22 a day and that number drops down to two a day, I'm still going to push 22 a day because that number should never even be one a day. No, it's one too Um, many. Yeah. One is too yeah. many. Steven, or Do- I'm going to call you Doc. Like, you that can, is, that you can call know. all my friends here in South Carolina that are, not, that are not military. That's what they call me. They call me Doc. I mean, you, as a corpsman, like, that's just a format. That's just what who you are. You're Doc. So I want to ask you, you shared a lot of things with us that I am processing and I'm going to have to process when we're done because you have fucked me up in the head a little bit, which it's not a bad thing. I'm just the emotional one in, in this show. And Amanda's the, she's here, but she doesn't show the emotions like I do, which she has talked about. So today, how are you? Let's go from, from September 27th. When your friend did what he did, and then you went through what you went through, where are you now? How are you now? What goes through your head now? What What is your life like now? I, I am on medication for my PTSD. I have counseling that I do. I have both through the, through the VA, and I actually have a group at a local church that has a PTSD class kind of thing. They have a book. It, I actually have the book right here too. It's called Wounded Spirits. It is basically biblical ways of what we as veterans or non-veterans that suffer from PTSD, how we can relate for the people that actually believe in God and everything like that of what the biblical things can do. I've gone to that class, the class, it goes, it does the book over and over and over and over again. I've actually gone to the class and now I am actually one of the teachers of one of the chapters. And that is, I I actually teach the chapter on anger because that is one of my, my PTSD when it flares up, 
I get extremely mad and I tend to break things and that's not good with my, with the, with my work. And that actually helped my work actually helps me with my PTSD. Also, I actually, I do woodwork. I do what's called scroll saw and fret work. Scroll saw is. <laughs> can, can you tell her what a scroll saw is? Okay. A scroll saw, basically the blade that I use, take three of your hairs and put them together. And that's how thick my blade is. So take, for instance, take the Navy emblem. I literally cut that out of wood. Every piece that you, that you see that would have a line or something like that, I actually cut that out of the wood. Well, um, I know, I, I do know, I do know what scroll saw would work. I, I suck. I used to do it a lot with my grandfather. I don't do it now. But that is a very, very precise, patient craft. Intricate. Yeah. And it's very, and it's very relaxing. Yeah. I'm, it's got to be therapeutic to have something like that to do. Yes, it is. It is. And I take, I take more pride in my work for a military plaque, per se, than I do for any of my other work. Being that I am a veteran, cutting out the, the emblem for instance, the, the Navy, the Navy signet, it'll take me an hour nonstop to cut that out. It takes me, it actually takes me longer to cut, to find a backing for it because the backing is the show. Do you have an active duty story that you can tell us that is fun? That's fun. Not about I know, a go. You're, you're a Navy corpsman. So I know you've got some fun stories and you work with the Marines. So I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to ask him because he told us stories while he was talking, but uh. let's hear Let's do a fun story. I know he's got one. Look. I have more than one. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of time before when I deployed and everything on like that, and before I deployed to Iraq, that's when the movie Jackass came out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. So <sighs> had another fellow corpsman. His name was Chris. I don't know his first name. But his last name was Chris, and he was infatuated with Jackass. And the medical stapler that you use to staple a wound, he wanted us to uh, staple his taint. Yes, yes. And he was very intoxicated at that time, so it bled more than what it should have. Someone, someone in the military was intoxicated? That didn't well, you know how in, in military barracks, the ceilings is the tile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, on, on my tile, I had clothes hangers that, that had the hook hanging down because I had to hook IV bags up. I love a good post-drink IV bag. Yes, but these guys did not want post-drink IV bags. They, wanted, they were taking the IV bags and pumping it full of vodka. Oh, God. Oh, cheers to vodka-filled IV bags. <laughs> oh, I heard rumors of that, but, like, I didn't know that really happened. Yes, it, it, I do not recommend it. The first guy that did it, we ended up having to take him to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. Yeah, no doubt. You because it goes straight into the system? Yeah. There's no, like, slow burn on that. It's a fast burn. But we also we also had, like, two camelbacks that we would take on force marches 
One of them was filled with vodka. The other one was filled with OJ. That doesn't sound like a bad plan. No, that wasn't, except for the fact. And here, here's what, what you can do to lighten up the mood if you ever talk to a Marine. Just mention Silver Bullet. <laughs> and they will leave. They shut up. Uh, the Silver Bullet is, is the thermometer that we use to check their temperature. But we had to check their core temp. So it was rectal. Yes. And I was the, I'll, I'll say it, I was the asshole corpsman that walked around with my flak jacket with the silver bullet right in the front on force marches. Hey, there's there. nothing wrong with getting something stuck in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not in front of 2,500 Marines. Yeah, probably not bad, but because there was no taking them to the truck, taking them to the home V and hiding them or anything like that. No, they dropped their drawers right there on the side of the street. Right, you just hold it up and say, "Drop it." Yeah, basically, you tell you tell them to bend over, grab their ankles, and spell run. <laughs> spell run. Bless spell their heart. run. Spell. What? Spell. Are you are you in? Think about it. <laughs> like, are you are you in? Are you in? Yes. Okay, I got it. <laughs> because y'all can't see, I was making the hand oh, finger. No, I, can see. I saw it. it. Yeah. I, I, well, the, the viewers, the listeners won't be able to see because we're, we record on Zoom, oh, but we just put the voice out. Do you want a picture of this? <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Lord have mercy. Got it. This is what happens when you get three Navy veterans together. Yeah, especially yeah. when one of them's a doc. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And then, Stephen, when you transitioned from being in the military to being civilian, how did that go? It was a pain in the ass. Agreed. Because are we going to hear more shit talk about tabs? Because every single person had said has said that tabs is a joke. It is. Here's to tabs being a joke. They they don't tell you what you need to know. Nope. They t- teach you how to do the, the resume writing. They, yeah. They, okay. That's not hard to do. But see, I left. I left the Navy and went and went there in uh, South Texas. I left the Navy and went into the oil field. Oh. So then you went and, to West Texas, which is a joke. no. I was there. I was there in Corpus. Yeah. Were you offshore? Yeah, we went to Carn City and all that. We stayed right there south of San Antonio. Oh, okay. I never I never had to go to West Texas. Thank God. You're lucky. <laughs> Bless your heart because no one wants to go to West Texas. There ain't nothing I know. to West Texas. But of course me being a white boy or in South Texas, a gringo, being around a bunch of old Hispanic men, they wanted to teach me Spanish. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and yes, they don't. And they don't teach you the good words first. No, they never do. <laughs> no. So yeah, I my drinking got worse because one of the guy, actually my supervisor at the time, actually had a legit prescription for a six pack of beer a day. How do you get that? I don't know, but he well, legitimately he- had a prescription from a doctor. Do you think it was the doctor was in Mexico? <laughs> Maybe it's to control the DTs. Yeah, well, 
he was a very, he taught me how to Mexican slow dance on a quarter to where I can leave the beer on the girl's butt. Because he said you can't dance. I'm going to have to Google this. (laughs) (laughs) going to have to give Uh, it views right there. Yeah. And well, the transition, it was hard because I didn't get told the stuff that I needed to when I first got out. It was kind of OJT. It was basically on job training. I had to learn as I went, as I, as I went, I had to learn how to budget a checkbook. I had to learn how, basically how to live my life, not being told what to do 24 seven. And you I finally, as an adult had to be responsible for yourself, which sucks. So I don't, don't like adulting right now. And I'm responsible for myself and two other people like what the fuck yeah adulting is not the fun that we thought it was going to be when we were kids no (laughs) adulting i thought i uh, actually when i was little i thought adulting meant hey i get to go to the bar anytime i want do what you not hey you got to make money to go to the bar right not free (laughs) well in a way it is for me because i go to the vfw I love the VFW. And, and the VFW is surrounded with a bunch of Marines. Oh. So and they know I am a corpsman. So oh, so your drinks that. are free every time. And here's the other thing. Challenge coins. Yes. I have never lost a challenge coin battle. I only have one. I have a oh, challenge coin from the Joint Chief Staff. Nice. Oh, yeah, you're never going to lose. Cheers yeah, to I, that. Cheers I mean, to what, that. What beat that? I, I, a presidential? Never, what's that? I said, the, would the presidential beat that, or is that better than the presidential? It depends. Like, which way do you go? I don't know. Yeah, it, if it, someone it, lays it, that coin down in a presidential one, and I'm there to watch it, I'm buying them both a drink. Like, <laughs> Yeah. All night long. Yes. <laughs> my life now, I battle with my PTSD daily. Some days are better than others. Some nights are better than others. But I will say, and my dad, because I actually live with my dad and I take care of my dad. I left Texas in, I left Texas six years ago and I left Texas one because I got divorced and I would have killed her if I would have stayed there. And second, my mom. We can cheers to divorce really quick. Yeah. 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 And then I actually came home. The main reason why I came home was I came home to take care of my mother. My mother was in her sixth fight with cancer. She fought. I, that's the other thing. I am actually a miracle baby. My mother had cervical cancer when she found out she was pregnant with. And every doctor in Florence County told my mom and dad, to abort me because something was going to be wrong with me. And there was one doctor in Florence that said, no, why don't we try this? We'll set up appointments and do this and we'll do everything. And then if it comes to the point, then I'll recommend that. And I'm here and I am actually named after that doctor. So, and I'm best friends with this And doctor. you were a corpsman. Yes. It comes fucking full circle. Yes. being a miracle baby that's amazing and now you're healing other people like so cool and then august two years ago my mom won her last battle 
with cancer and passed away. It's not a hard thing on me. It's hard because I miss her, but she's not in pain anymore. Yeah. So my father to cancer too. And it was the same emotion. They go through so much while they're living that it's, I don't want to say better. It kind of is because they are in so much pain when they're they're near the end of that battle. Yes. And now I, at that time I was working at the local hospital in the ER when my mom, when I was taking care of my mom and I was in nursing school to become a nurse and was doing nursing school, working nights, three nights a week in the ER and taking care of my mom. So I had a full plate and I was making it, I was making it work. I suffered drastically the days that I didn't have school, I didn't work, and my sister or my brother would come over and take care of my mom, I would literally be in my bed asleep. I mean, and I would probably be sleep. I'd sleep all day. All the other things that you had dealt with while being in the military, like you you had a shit ton going on in your head. Yeah. And uh, I ended up dropping out of nursing school. I talked to my parents first. And I was dropping out of nursing school and I was quitting working at the hospital to take care of my mom full time because Medicare will only pay five days a week, eight hours a day. And my mom needed 24 seven and come to find out them paying for my health insurance and paying me was cheaper than hiring somebody off the street to do it. So I did that. I did that for the last I'd say year that my mom was alive. And then I started talking to my dad and see my dad's been doing the scroll saw work for 40 years and has just been giving it away. Well, I talked to my dad and said, Hey, why don't we turn this into a business? Why don't I turn this into a business and do this while I'm taking care of mom? Because I could go to festivals on the weekends and my sister or my brother could take care of my mom. And so I did that for the, for a year and it just progressed on my dad ended up finding out at 75 that he has Crohn's and so now I take care of him and I do my business with this coronavirus has really put a damper on my business because I can't go to festivals yeah so I I have looked elsewhere for employment and both jobs that I applied for, I didn't get, which tells me I need to stick with my business because festivals are now starting to Come back. slowly pop up and I'm starting to hit those. So I've got that, I've got that going on. And then I, like I, like I told y'all earlier, I got on TikTok just to watch videos because they were funny. They are funny. There's some good ones. I met up with 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 Justin, which is JD Kerner. I met up with him. I want you to name drop right now all of them. Name drop. I'll name drop Justin in a heartbeat. That he he's my he is my brother now. We're we're that close. He he lives in Idaho, but he's visiting his sister in Tennessee, which is five hours away from me, and I can't get up there. So it's, it's killing me that I can't get up there and see him, but Hey, it's all for a purpose because I want to go see Idaho. I heard that Idaho is beautiful. Can y'all pick me up? Can, can we all, can we road trip to Idaho? Well, I do. I I do have a 40 foot RV. Oh, Oh, game on. 
You just became my new best friend. <laughs> and load my, your dad up, load everything up, come and pick me up, and let's go. We can record on the, the road. The, 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 RV, the RV uh, is older than, uh, than you are. It's a 99. That's okay. Yeah, it is. It is older than me. <laughs> Definitely way, way. It's like 10 years older than me. Shit. But uh, I, I, we're actually, me and my dad are actually planning a trip out that way. Oh, that's well, you have to come fun. through Texas. You literally have to come through Texas first. Uh, I was in Texas right before the coronavirus hit. That was like eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, I was in San Antonio. I was in Dallas. I was in Amarillo. Well, if you, if you get back towards Dallas, give us a shout and we'll hang out. I've, I've got a cousin. I've got a cousin that lives up in, in, in the Fort Worth area. And then I have a neat, uh, no, she's not my niece. She's my dad's niece. So she's my cousin. I have a cousin that actually teaches just outside of Dallas. Oh, where does she teach? Where? I'm not sure. She teach She teaches band for a middle school. There's a lot of middle schools. Just it, well, I, I know there's like, there's like 12 high schools in Corpus when I left. Yeah. There's and now like 12 like high schools in Mesquite, Texas. In Mesquite. You know what the only, you know what one of the good things is about Texas is the Mesquite wood. Oh yeah. Great in Texas, except for the weather. And but here's the, here's the other kicker. I actually get to write, if we go to Texas, I actually get to write that off on my taxes because I stop, I stop. There's a, there's, there's a certain kind of wood that I use that I can, that we can only find in central Texas Boom. Business in San Marcos. So that's, we. San Marcos is near the river when we do our annual float. Oh, I miss, I miss Tubin. You should come they with us in June. We go in June. We go every, every year. We do an annual veteran. Veterans and friends trip to the river. Veterans and friends. Which well, river? Yeah, we, we normally have several veterans. Carlos, Lindsay. Yeah, me, you. Bart. Bart. Which, which river do y'all go to? We've done the Guadalupe. Ah, uh, you got to go to the, you got, you got, you got to go to the Frio. You got to go to Concan. No. Oh, I've um, been to Frio. Frio in November. Yes. We're going to go to the Frio this past year, but because of the coronavirus, the only way you could float the Frio is if you had a house on the Frio. There yeah. were no exits. There were no drop-offs. There were no nothing. And they had all the exits closed. Yeah. So if you got off on an exit that was closed, they had the police waiting there to give you a ticket for trespassing. Mm-hmm. Like no they joke. were not playing. They shut down all the public. All, all public, public exits and entrances yeah. for that. It killed. Yep, so we oh. ended up just doing the Guadalupe again, but we found a really badass house. We did. It was a really sweet spot to stay. It was, it was so we, they had a public entrance and they were like, well, if you have a, a private exit that you can legally get out on, then we can still let you float. But they, you had to bring your own tubes, which was fine. We had our own tubes, but it was crazy. Like they got super strict with it. it was, well, cause see you, you, you mentioned tubing here in South Carolina. And tubing in South Carolina means you get behind a boat. No, I tell them, I say, no, tubing is when you grab an inner tube and you, you go down the river, put it, you put it on your river. butt, you put it on your butt and you drop in the river. Yes. And then you got, you got about five or six other tubes that are tied together 
that have coolers in them. Drink and float and smoke all day. <laughs> exactly. Even even put a piece of plywood out and put a little barbecue pit on it. Oh, I never thought of that. Do you go through Come the on. Do you go through the shoots? <laughs> well, yeah. Like well, then that's when you gotta. That's when you gotta tie the. You gotta tie it up. That's when you you don't get out of your tube. Like true story, <laughs> and miss going down the shoots. But any, I do refocusing for just a moment. Do you have advice for anyone who is fixing to get out of the military or who is already out as a veteran and they need some type of direction? Advice, advice. I know you got advice. Reach out. There, there's another TikToker that is a Marine, and his his screen name is Moxie underscore USMC. He came up with it. He came up with his very own hashtag and it's never go upstairs alone, which means never go in your head by yourself. If you feel yourself going up into your head by yourself, you need to reach out to somebody. I always do. I reach out to just about every one of the, of the TikTokers that I have that I've made really, really good friends with. They have my phone number. I have their phone number. And I've learned my lesson of going upstairs alone. With y'all following me now, I've come up with my own hashtag. Uh, my friend Justin, he has his daily dose of inspiration is his key thing. And mine is a message from Doc. And I, whatever is on my, whatever I felt led to tell the person that, or tell everybody that day, that's what I tell them. Whether it's military or if it's just life in general, advice to somebody that is getting out or is that is just got out or somebody that has been out for 20 years is one, never go upstairs alone. Never go into your head alone. If you feel yourself going into your head alone, you need to reach out. Just like my friend Andrew from Arizona said, if you can't get a hold of somebody, pick up the phone and call. If that person doesn't answer, call the next one, call the next one, call the next one until you get somebody that picks up the phone and says, hey, man, hold your position. I'm on my way. So that in his TikTok screen name is AJ Impacts. His YouTube is AJ Impacts. As y'all know, on TikTok. That line right there is used more than any other line ever. And he is absolutely thrilled that it's being used. So me saying that to you, me saying that to y'all and y'all putting on your podcast just amps him up even more. We love that. Uh, we are here to support veterans any way that we can. And that what he does is he goes to the the tabs and the tabs. He goes to that and he speaks to them before before they get out. He goes to the Arizona National Guard and speaks to them. And his big thing is, is he does for 22 seconds, he has them saying different stuff con constantly to remember that 22 veterans a day commit suicide, that they don't need to fall in the into that statistic. And that is my advice to anybody from somebody that's just joining the military 
to somebody that's been out for 20 years because if you look at it and you look at the statistics of the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide, out of those 22 veterans that commit suicide, probably close to 60 to 65% of that are Vietnam-era veterans. Yeah, and they didn't get the help that we're able to start getting now. No, and they 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 did not get the respect when they came home that they should have gotten. And that has a lot to deal with what they're dealing with now. Their 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 PTSD because they think that they're not they're not heroes. They're not they're not welcomed. So when like my father, my father is a well, y'all be in Navy, so y'all know this phrase. My my father is a bubblehead. Except he was a diesel bubblehead. Oh, he was cool. in the old World War II diesel boats. He is a Vietnam era vet. He did not go to Vietnam, but he is a Vietnam era vet. And when we're together and somebody tells me, thank you for your service, I tell them, like I tell everybody that tells me, thank you for your service. I tell them, well, you're worth it. You were worth every, every minute of it because it's true. Everybody was worth me sacrificing my life. They were worth it. Even the people that spit in my face and everything like that, they were still, they're, they're still worth it because I fought for their right to have that feeling. Unfortunately, I make it a point to personally thank every Vietnam era or Vietnam vet. I go out of my way. If I see somebody with a, with a Vietnam war, hat on all the time i i make it a point to go up there and 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 thank them for their service that's so important because they are just as important as any other veteran but yeah my my advice is to anybody that's getting out from the people that serve the the few that are left that served in the great wars world war one and world war two to the people that are just getting out now even the people that are stepping forward and taking their oath is always reach out. If you feel that urge, even a little urge of I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not worth, I'm not worthy to wear this uniform. What makes you not worthy? Why is your heart, is your heart in it? Are you, did you join just because it was the cool thing to do? Or did you join like 90% of the people that joined that wanted to make a difference and serve their country? And I tell people to this day, I've been out since 09. I tell them to this day, and you're looking 10, 11 years later. I tell them, I said, I swore an oath to defend the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic. I said, I still hold that oath. I have never released that oath. And I never will. Fucking cheers. Fucking cheers to that. Fucking cheers to that. (laughs) But that, I, that, that, that's something that I, that I live on is to this day, if, if I was un, un godly circumstances that we were to go back to war, which is the way kind of it's leading with this country right now is sign me back up. Yep. I I'll I'll go in a heartbeat. I might not right fit it, I might I might not fit in my old uniform, but <laughs> by God, I'll go buy some new ones. 
I still got my hat. Hey, they all changed. They're all different now anyway. No, they're not. They're wearing like the green camis, like the Marines. Yeah, I didn't wear camis when I was in the goddamn military. We had to wear those horrible utilities. You, you know, you you know what the good thing is about those those marine green camis? I never ironed them. <laughs> no, no, I literally, I literally balled them up and put them under my mattress. Yeah, you didn't have to have creases, but the creases is what. You can't put creases in those. It was. Yeah, no. But yeah, I know about the creases. Oh, I had creases in my other uniforms. I had creases that would cut people. Yes. Did you ever? That was my favorite part. I don't iron to this day because I ironed my ass off for five years. Did you ever crease your uniforms with the fishing line? Yes. Oh, I didn't even have to. My shit was on point fucking anyway with the starch. And the okay, when you when you get inspected, like we like I got inspected every freaking day. <laughs> yeah, you found little tricks to uh that that fishing line was magic. Except as air traffic controllers, we did get inspected every day and we were expected to be 110% every day. Yeah, but y'all wore like Y'all wore pants and a t-shirt. No, sir. No, sir. Not on shore duty. Uh-uh. Well, we ain't talking. I never was on shore duty. <laughs> our inspections, though, our uniforms squared away at all times. Because, we see, I didn't, get, I didn't get the privilege of being on shore duty. Well, Even I though know. I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, on shore, I was still getting paid sea duty. <laughs> there was sea duty for us. Oh yes. Yeah, it was to go down in this podcast today. <laughs> so, if people wanted to contact you, Stephen, where is the best place for them to contact you? They they can contact me on on TikTok. That is the ma- my major source of social media. I do have Facebook. I do have Instagram, but I don't really check them. But I think I've checked Facebook in the last month. I think I may have checked it twice in the last month. Uh, I mean, I get on my phone, I get little messages saying you got a you got a notification on Facebook, and I just swipe swipe it to the left and don't even look because uh, if it's important, they know how to get in touch with me. Uh, but the best way to get in touch with me would be off of TikTok. Um, and my username on TikTok is USN underscore doc. Uh, that is the best way to get a, get a hold of me. I am available 24 seven. Uh, I may not answer why I'm sleeping, but I always, always respond to messages. That's true. I, I reached out to him out of the blue and he, he came back to us. So we're super he was like, bam, let's go. Yeah. It's like, let's do it. Well, I have, I watch who, who follows me and who I follow because now I'm getting a lot of kids that are following me. I've had that too, and that's inappropriate. So when I see that, I, I don't follow them. And then I remove, if they're, if they're under the age of 16, I completely remove them from following me. If they're 16, I allow them to follow me, but their first response on one of my videos, I immediately take them off 
because I don't need that negativity with me. But especially if they are a veteran, I will I will follow them in a heartbeat. I follow all veterans. I allow all veterans to follow me because we've got to take care of each other. We do. It's so important. So important. So Amber, do you want to discuss the charity that we're supporting this episode? Sure. So I know that Doc has mentioned the charity that he supports, which will be uh, mentioned in our show bio. And I know that previous guests have mentioned their charities and organizations of choice, but Veterans Drinking Vodka as a whole, Amanda and myself have chosen to support the Till Valhalla Project and their 22 a day. I'll say it like I always do. I have their bracelet on. You can go on their website, order some of their merchandise if you want to. Hopefully in the future, we will get them a little involved in what we have going on. But we we strongly support and believe in their mission and the awareness that they're bringing out, not only to mental health, but the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. If you'd like to contact Amber or I, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all of them at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can send us an email directly to veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out if you'd like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. Like Amanda mentioned, you can send us an email at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Or you can DM us at any of the social media outlets that Amanda also mentioned. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. Also... Leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We're brand new podcasters, so your feedback is super important to us. And now you can join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. Uh, We will start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you don't need to be a veteran. It is an open after-hours Zoom session. So if you, if you want to know what veterans are like, or if you're a veteran yourself and you want to get in on this, it's a good time. We just had our first one and it was, it was a little wild, but it was so much fun. It was a lot. We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources and meeting new friends. But we do want to bring it back to the fact that 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you're never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.